Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Space Flicks, the podcast where we talk about a movie and decide if it's worth beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Mm-hmm. This is an episode that we recorded before coming up with the idea of Space Flicks. So uh, we're going to talk about a movie, probably in a fairly open-ended fashion. And at the end, when we talk about whether the movie gets a star or not, just pretend we were talking about beaming it out into space. Because that's what we meant in our hearts. That's right. Okay. So enjoy the episode. Space Flicks. What is this thing called? Spire Studio. Spire Studio. I keep wanting to call it like Spyro, which is like a toy, I think. That rolly toy thing. It's like it's like a tower. Oh. Right. Spire. Oh, um, this is like a tower, yes. Uh, okay. So, let's see. We just saw Isle of Dogs. Yep. And yep. we're sitting in the rain, and it there's a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. So, so real, real high tech. You will yeah. hear you will hear thunder occasionally. I wonder if that'll get picked up. Yeah, for sure. We'll see. So, uh, so what'd you think? We didn't talk about it. Uh, I loved it. You loved it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, like it was. I don't know. It was precisely what I sort of expect out of a Wes Anderson movie, right? Yep. Um. Had, did all the things that I sort of uh, <laughs> like, just just from a style, sense of humor, attention to detail, right? Like, yeah, you know, just all the you know insert shots, like everything being at right angles, everything being center frame, like surprisingly few deaths in this movie. Yeah, I've, I've gotten kind of accustomed to his surprise deaths. Yes, you know, I actually like was shocking deaths. <laughs> I was well, actually, name, name some shocking deaths. I'm, I'm not uh, recalling. Well, okay, so his last one, uh, Grand Budapest, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character oh. is like being pursued by uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. Yes, yes, and it's sort of comical up until the it, end, where you're like, like, oh, he just killed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I guess. I guess Life Aquatic, you got the plummet. The, oh, where Ned yeah. dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Obviously, Royal Tenenbaum dies at the end of Royal Tenenbaums, but that's not really sudden, I don't think. Uh, true, but I think I treat the suicide or the attempted suicide scene in that movie as yes. kind of like a shocking, sudden thing yeah, that you're sure. not expecting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I actually don't even remember some of his other movies as well. Like, I don't remember Darjeeling that well, so... Yeah. Um, you know, it might not be like a... It might not be as well, much of a pattern as I'm... Put it this way. I was actually at one point when the... Okay, so... um, I guess we can just... Like, at, at one point, I thought that that might have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a moment or two where it seems... There's more than one moment, actually, from my memory, that seem like they're heading that way. Yeah. Um... But uh, but they may or may not end the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> if we're gonna try to uh, 
avoid blatant spoilers. Well, so anyway. we, we'll, we'll get into blatant spoilers, I guess, in just a minute. But okay, so just to set up, just to quickly set up the movie uh, for those who are listening. Um, obviously, Isle of Dogs is a new Wes Anderson movie featuring tons of different fun voice talents. It's a claymation movie mixed with some real animation. Um, Wait, is it called claymation or it's stop motion animation, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, really it is. It is stop motion animation. That does not necessarily mean it's made out of clay. To your point. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, d- yeah. I I didn't think they were made of clay. Maybe they were. They're, they're puppets, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but stop motion animation film uh, about a uh, a story that takes place in a sort of fictionalized Japan, twenty years in the future, where. Uh, Dogs are exiled to an island because dogs are, um, there's a sort of incurable disease ravaging the dog population of this. Dog flu. Dog flu ravaging the dog population of this particular uh, area of Japan. And it is a story about how um, a young boy goes to search for his dog uh, in the midst of all of this. And so... um, I, you know, that basic plot construct did, uh, I thought was charming. I thought it, I thought the, um, the structure of the story about Atari, the young boy, his sort of search for his dog was actually weirdly reminiscent of, um, I, I thought about, uh, Annihilation actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like this search, like her deeper, search for her deeper husband. and deeper <laughs> into this sort of like, on inhospitable wilderness. This is obviously like the G-rated version of that, right? Yeah. Um, but I did. But something about like we're just gonna go deeper and deeper into this Isle of Dogs, where it gets like more and more savage as we go. Um, just was something that I thought was appealing, just like as a construct. Um, it's funny. I didn't. Uh, it's like kind of a minor difference in our um, perspectives on it, but. I think maybe just because they made the geography somewhat clear. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like they were going deeper. Like, to me, deeper would have been, like, in the middle of the island, you know? Mm-hmm. But they're kind of going from one end to the other. Sure. So, yeah. to me, I didn't feel like it was deeper. It felt more just like crossing a long, like it was like a long journey. Maybe, I yeah. I think there's a... Yeah. Um, well, just the fact that there feels was, like... different. The fact that there was, like, cannibals at the end... The fact that, yeah. I don't know, it just felt like we're supposed to think that th- this is, they're going <laughs> from a less dangerous situation to a sure. more dangerous situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what? where does it fall for you? I mean, maybe it's too early to get to that, but I am curious, just first impressions, like, let's say upper upper echelon of Wes Anderson movies, sort of in the mid-tier. Uh, you I said don't you know. loved it, so it can't be in the bottom tier. No, I really liked it. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I would stack rank it next to all the other ones. Uh, I mean, I think Grand. I think I still think Grand Budapest is probably my favorite. Wow, stands um, on the top, huh? Um, but I mean, there's many that I love. I mean, I I still think Rushmore is one of the tops. Um, uh, I I I'll lo- always have a soft spot for Bottle Rocket. Yeah, Bottle Rocket is great. I would, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've liked all of his movies, with maybe yeah. the exception of, I probably, I've, I was least enthusiastic about Darjeeling Limited, I mm. think. 
Um, but no, I've liked every single one of them. And so, like, I don't know. It's so hard to rank. It's not... He's not the sort of filmmaker who... Um, I generally feel a sort of, like, ecstasy around, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. oh, my gosh, that was unbelievable. I was like... But it's he's sort of, like, in the same realm as, like, Spoon as a band, right? He's like... It's like <laughs> another solid outing from yeah, this guy, yeah. right? Like... I feel like we sort of both feel that way about the Coen brothers, too, right? I probably like the Coen brothers maybe a bit more than that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's fair. I guess I guess that's not quite you were, what you were saying. What I was thinking was, like, I never dislike his movies. In the right. same way that, like, even Hail Caesar from the Coen brothers, which neither of us was super in love with. Right. We still felt it was good, though, you know? Yeah. I expect no less from the Coen brothers. But, right. yeah, some of their movies are... Uh, Truly exceptional. Um, right. Like, you know, transcendent. Right. Whereas, uh, yeah, I don't think Wes Anderson's... He's generally in the ballpark of, like, very solid. Yeah, yeah. Pretty I, consistent. Yeah, the thing that I think that for me tipped Grand Budapest over to, like, wow, that was really exceptional was some of the, like, thematic richness of that movie I mm -hmm. thought was sort of a few steps beyond what his typical films offer. Cause I thought it had some, it had really interesting things to say about memory and nostalgia and sort of like this, um, yearning for a past that doesn't exist. Yeah. I, romantic I, sort of. Yeah. I thought those, I thought that theme was really resonant in that film and really done in interesting ways. Like the way that he used the camera from like a, um, you know, from a standard format to a widescreen format. Like, I thought he just did interesting things filmmaking-wise to, like, reflect that idea and sort of the book within a book within a book kind of thing, I thought, yeah. was just a really um, fantastic construction. So at any rate, uh, that's, that's still probably tops for me. But I was actually surprised at, while this movie I think you can enjoy just as, like, kind of a fun story that about dogs and, and a boy... <laughs> And you with, have a tick with sort of idiosyncratic like I, I do feel like the movie very um, lovingly portrays sort of a picture of Japan uh, in a way that I think is meant to make you enjoy. I think it's meant to make you enjoy the Japan that's being portrayed. I don't think it's meant to make you like laugh at or mock the Japan that's being portrayed. Um, I mean, with the possible exception of a few little comedic moments, like right, like the sort of yelling Japanese man, right? You know, uh, yeah, but um, but it all, that doesn't really even seem particular to Japan. Just right, just a a, a silly moment, you know, right. that is specific to a or that that involves like the sound of the language or the yeah. Or the, traditions of like yeah. acting in that culture the same way that we would make fun, like people will make fun of like a german accent for sounding yeah. harsh or yeah. something it's not like you're making fun of the germanic people you're just sort of it's um yeah it's well, almost like uh it's just a it's just a uh what is it like if germans were you know germans you might say the culture is like known for like discipline and like being organized or something like that. So it would almost like be if you had a German character who was just like super disciplined, like to a comedic degree. Right. It's not right. really. 
it's not it's not even really anything negative. It's just taking a, a particular noteworthy characteristic and exaggerating it. Right. But anyway, yeah. Um, I thought the speaking of Japan and sort of enjoying the Japanese setting and culture, uh, there's a scene of sushi preparation that yes. I just really enjoyed. Yes. There's just, and there was actually a, a couple scenes that sort of had a similar feel to them, whether like just both from like the perspective and just the sort of lingering on a person doing a meticulous job yeah. very swiftly and efficiently, yeah. yeah, which, you know, is certainly a Japanese sort of um, something you, I at least associate with Japanese culture. Yeah. And so it lasts, you know, all of like one minute, but it's just a guy cutting up a fish, doing like a crab, doing yeah. a, an octopus arm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I was just, I just found it very pleasant to yeah. watch, which is, which is kind of a trademark of, Wes Anderson. Right? Yeah. He just he just puts stuff in front of you that's very pleasant to, to, look, to at. look at and yeah. observe. Yeah. I agree with that. Like um I yeah, just generally I especially for a movie set on an island of trash, like I I felt like it was a really visually appealing movie. Oh yeah. Um especially in the there's like scenes where uh characters are kind of moving from one location to another and it'll cut It'll it'll sort of it you know them walking will be fixed yes but then the background and the scene from behind them changes and, yeah. and it presents all kinds of different like sub areas of the island yeah um, the country club yeah the old abandoned the factory down factory yeah it's uh, all that stuff is really I think it's really neat to look at again and the and sort of the colors and everything changes. Um, it's almost like it reminds me of, uh, like if you watch, like take an, like an older kind of style video game mm -hmm. and you watch like, you know, they make these days, they make trailers for video games. So if you watch right. a trailer, it just sort of will like cut between like different worlds in the game that all look so different from each other. And you're right. like, wow, there's going to be so much to explore in this game. You yes. Know? Uh, it kind of had that same effect for me where it's like this island is vast, you know, like, yeah. it's got a thing like this. It's got a thing like this. They're going through all kinds of zany, you know, terrain and, and, uh, areas. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, that's actually even that technique of the actor being the same and the background changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's even an old Buster Keaton trick, mm. right? He would actually, uh, do tricks where he would be standing on a um, like a rock like about to jump into the ocean and then he would jump and they would and he would film it in a way that he would cut and cut to him like in a sand dune like stuck like from head to waist mm -hmm. right upside down like in sand right. and the way that he would do that is by just meticulously positioning the camera exactly at the right distance in both scenarios and he could just cut it so that it looked like the optical illusion is like oh my gosh the background changed but he didn't change but it was just he was just a meticulous right. filmmaker right. so anyway, yeah there's like um uh, i'm sure it's much easier to do and with modern filmmaking techniques but like that but there's something magical about that that movie making permits filmmakers to do right yeah um 
that yeah so at any rate yeah totally totally agree with that but the one of the things i was going to comment on was i actually felt like this film did have some uh i wasn't expecting some of the what i felt like thematic points that it was making about um i mean it's about dogs but just if you take you sort of go uh if you take some liberties with it from a metaphor perspective it's like oh this is like an exiled people who are being rounded up into camps, right? Oh, yeah. And exterminated. Sure. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure this movie took many years to make. And so I doubt that this was in any way reflective of the times that we live in with walls being erected and, and you know, people being deported. But um, it felt weirdly timely, right? It felt like, especially at the end, this impassioned plea from a boy about sort of just the wrongness of what's mm. going on. Um, that where it enters sort of into Candyland is when the mayor is like, yeah, the boy's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like that would ever happen in modern day society. Yeah. But I, but that whole, but the theme was actually weirdly resonant for me in that regard. I was like, oh, this is str- a strangely timely topic. Interesting. I, I didn't get quite the same read on it, but you know, that's, uh, we're obviously always going to interpret movies differently. Right. It, it felt it felt very whimsical and Wes Anderson to me. It didn't. I didn't feel like he was like making a broader point. Like oh that. no, I I don't I don't think it was intentionally a commentary on the times or anything like that. I think perhaps I'm reading something that the movie wasn't really. You're saying it felt it it sort of had that impact on you because of what we're yes. seeing right now. Yeah, like I, it's an angled. I think I pr- give it if this movie came out four years ago, right? Yeah. I don't know that I would have drawn that sort of parallel as strongly in my head. I mean, granted, the fact that you've set it in Japan and you've got literally sort of a camp where people are rounded up and interred, it's, it's, um, yeah, it, 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 you can't help but think of that a little bit, right? Like the, the, of what, of, of, you know, the history there, you mean. Right, of, like, Japanese internment camps and the ta- the rounding up of an otherwise, like, innocent people because of, you know, various prejudicial hatreds that, like, the culture at large has built up, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I, again, I don't think the movie was really trying to hammer that note too hard. I do feel like it was ultimately kind of a silly movie about dogs. But, um, but yeah. I don't feel like those things were absent either. I suppose. I guess for me, Wes Anderson, um, I, I, I'm sure you could probably come up with exceptions, but it seems like generally he, his villains or his like representations of evil are sort of seemingly intentionally cartoonish mm-hmm. because... I almost, I mean, this is me just kind of like wildly speculating, but something about his style and his sensibilities and just the kind of movies he chooses to make just make me sort of assume that he's like lived a pretty privileged life. Yeah. You know, like he kind of like he's not he's not like the sort of storyteller who's going to tackle like serious questions about humanity yeah. And like, and really reveal something really challenging. It sort of feels almost like everything he makes is coming from this place of, 
of whimsy where right. it's sort of like where he's like aware, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of the fact that there's evil in the world, for example, but it's more like conceptual than anything else. Yeah. And so, like I said, I, I recognize him completely wildly speculating here. This is not based on any interviews with him or anything, but viewing viewing his movies, I almost think of it like how if you lived a privileged life, then in depicting like bad people or bad things, you would just choose to sort of go very broad strokes. Yeah. You know, to like, to almost on the basis of like, I'm not really qualified to have right. like, to have like a subtle, uh, complex villain. Right. You know, um, I'm more just telling like simple stories uh, about like about certain they tend to they tend to have like certain themes but um I generally feel like there's not they're not like explorations of a of a deep Yeah and, and I mean in your question. comment regarding villains I feel like actually most of his movies most not all but most don't even quite have villains Yeah most right? I I mean yeah most of them don't I I think the only um, certainly the, the, the guy in, um, Grand Budapest, you know, comes to mind, but he is, I don't even remember, who does Willem Dafoe work for again in that? Uh, is it, I don't even remember. Is it Adrian Brody? Who wants the painting? Yeah. The boy with Apple? That's right, right? Uh, yeah, that, so I mean, those are, those yeah. are, those are quite cartoonish. Yeah, as well. Absolutely. And I feel like in Moonrise Kingdom, there's like, is it Tilda Swinton who sort of represents like Child Protective Services? Yeah, and she's cartoonish. So it's like they're all, you know, um, I I agree. I think it's almost now that we're talking about it, I'm like, is this a recent development in his movies that he's trying? He's trying out villains, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Um, I mean, Bottle Rocket doesn't really have one. Rushmore doesn't really have one. Tenenbaums doesn't really have one. I mean, Fantastic Mr. Fox does, yeah. right? It's the farmers, obviously, right? Um, but yeah, I don't. It's I don't think he's really reckoning with good versus evil at all, right? It, like I feel like he's mostly reckoning with sort of, um, if anything, like sort of minor disagreements between friends. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that what I was saying was more a um, specific, a specific application of a more general rule of his movies, which is I feel like he doesn't like explore really nuanced, you know, uh, subjects. Right. It's more like simple. And I don't mean that I don't mean that in that, like, they're not smart movies or in that, like, um they're like dumb, you know, mm-hmm. but I just mean simple as in kind of like pure, like yeah. simple ideas, like the simple kind of core aspects of human experience. So like, so like for me, for example, the backdrop of this, um, you know, th- this set of, of, uh, individuals who are exiled and, you know, um, contained on this Island. That to me is more just like, you know, the setting for the story that to me, the theme of the movie is much more like the boy's relationship with the dog. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and like in the beginning chief, uh, is all like, you know, 
I'm I'm an independent dog mm-hmm. and I don't believe in masters. Mm-hmm. And then kind of as the movie goes on, he sort of he sort of comes to like embrace his connection to this boy. Right. Um which honestly I I wasn't even totally sure. I mean, obviously at one point they make a overt kind of parallel to like marriage. Yes. Um, yeah. And kind of and kind of accepting each other. Um but prior to that, I was almost a little weirded out at times by like, you know, uh, for example, the boy uh, th- like throwing a stick for him mm-hmm. to fetch. And the movie like, you know, kind of suggesting like, oh, dogs are, you know, meant to have masters and right. he's and he's been fighting that. But like he's slowly coming to accept it. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that I think it's supposed to be like you know, more generic, like friendship or just kind of, I don't know exactly, but it is just a little weird that a care that like the main character in the movie is like, starts off like independent and their arc involves, you know, kind of growing and accepting that they have a master. <laughs> right. I Yeah, I would say the less cynical view... I, I think that's a totally fair reading. I would say the less cynical view is him sort of opening himself up to yeah, love, yeah, right? Yeah, or a relationship. Yeah, totally, yeah. But just, yeah, yeah, no, I mean... I think... I think it would have been... I think he was just picking, like, activities that humans traditionally do with dogs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like playing fetch... Most of us who have played fetch with dogs are under more or less, you know, the impression that we both enjoy it. Like right. the dog seems to like it. I like it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but like in the movie, he like throws it and he like points and he's like fetch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fetcho, you know. Right. And I'm like, you know, I I think this is very like friendly, but uh, it would have. It would have come across different for me if it started with him, like, trying to pet him or, like, you know, do more overtly affectionate things as opposed to, like, issue a command. Yeah. Yeah. When just earlier in the movie, you know, he, like, told the other dogs to sit and they all just, like, sat instinctively because they're like, this is a human. We do what he says, you know? Right. And and there's something, I mean, I think the movie is making an argument and this is actually, this is where, like, the metaphor breaks down and I think probably why it's not quite safe to like extrapolate that the movie like means something I'm putting air quotes around it right like it probably is just a story about you know a boy and dogs on a funny island um but like there's something about how dogs want to obey humans mm-hmm. right I think that there's something the movie is a makes that point maybe two or three times right about like uh, he'll tell the dogs to do something, and they're like, "Oh yes, yeah. like oh god, thank God someone's telling us what to do, right?" <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Um, and so uh, it's almost like Anderson is saying, "Like, yeah, that's a dog's natural state is yep, to yeah. obey people." Which, of course, if you're making an argument, if if you feel like the movie is in some ways a metaphor for displaced people who are being, you know, exiled and exploited, right? Then all of a sudden you're making an argument like, well. implicitly these people want to be like ruled or whatever right which is obviously not true and so um that's i mean i suppose every metaphor falls apart well i mean the movie actually uh 
essentially acknowledges that though, right in the very beginning, because that's the backstory is like there were these independent dogs, mm-hmm. and then you know there was this war, and they were more or less defeated yeah. or subdued, and then they just became domesticated. Yeah, and it's like uh, there's already sort of like a sadness in there of like. You know, these once proud creatures yeah. uh, have been kind of like subjugated and, and that's and that's brought them to the level that they are. Uh, so like throughout the movie, when the dogs are kind of like blindly obeying the humans mm-hmm. or is, I guess mainly just the boy. Um, for me, that was definitely like still in my head, you know, that the movie had planted that at the beginning. Like there's something a little unholy about this. That they're just doing what he says because, like, their kind has been yeah. bred for generations to be trained obedient. to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, on one hand, uh, as a metaphor, it's bo- it's potentially troublesome. On the other hand, for dogs, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I you know it's funny. Like, even as we're talking about this, it's totally the kind of thing that if I made movies, which I don't, I feel like I would do. which is just kind of like be very matter of fact about things like this. Like, you know, that's reality. Dogs are the way they are because of generations of domestication and training. Right. Uh, At the same time, given that they're the way they are, they really like to, you know, obey humans' orders. And there is a special relationship that humans have with their dogs. And a part of that relationship is like, them doing what we say right Right. (laughs) and you can like be disturbed about that or just be like yep that's how things are right now right um like like i feel like if i made a movie i would put those kinds of things in it and if someone were to ask me like what are you trying to say here i'd be like not really anything in particular i'm just you know i'm just including like certain details that are part of the story yeah, like you you mentioned earlier, the sushi preparation scene and something that I don't think, again, I don't think is attempting to make any sort of statement about anything, but as a sushi chef prepares the fish, right, chops chops the head off a fish, the mouth of the fish keeps moving, right? For a little bit. Like even yeah. what, after it's moved to a different plate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's anything about that that's supposed to be about animal cruelty or anything. Right, it's not like trying to make you empathize with the fish. I think it's just like, this is just what happens when yeah. you take the head off a fish. It just yeah. keeps it keeps trying to breathe for another few seconds. I right? think, I think if anything, the purpose or of that... Or trying to eat or whatever the fish is trying to do. Yeah, because the... I think the crab moves its legs a little bit too. Yeah. Well, it certainly tries to get off the plate at first, and then right. he just like rips, <laughs> rips the, the, the top shell. off, which yeah. who knows what that does to the crab. But um, I'm guessing that kills it. But uh, but like I feel like those little details. Are, on the one hand, they're just little details because Wes Anderson loves those. Mm-hmm. But I think in addition, the, those details in that scene are just kind of highlighting the like mechanical precision of the of the process. Yeah, you know, like this this sushi chef is is very uh, sort of precise and measured. And not emotionally affected, you know, by what he's doing. Yeah. So, like, the mouth moving, like, you as the audience member, you see that, but it's, like, irrelevant to his task. So he just, like, carries out his task and, uh, you know, 
Yep. Fish with its mouth moving doesn't bother him. Crab moving its legs around. Yep. Nothing. Um. Yeah. So I think the movie is re- rewards a little bit some close reading and some sort of like an analogous or metaphorical like readings of the material. Like I think, I think the movie can support it. Um. Can we, you know, I was curious, there's like, as far as like the attention to detail that we've been talking about, sort of the elements that in the periphery of the frame, your eye notices and you still sort of are, you're registering it, even if it's not really critical to what's happening on the screen. Mm -hmm. Like there was one moment in the film where I had, where I was observing something like that. And I felt like it felt weirdly masterful, like, and the thing that, well, at the time it did, but then by the end of the movie, I'm not sure it really paid off in any real way, was there was a sequence where King, the dog voiced by Brian Cranston, is explaining what his favorite food was or is, mm-hmm. right? And the camera it slowly tracks out. So from, you see the kid putting on his sock. So you see the kid sort of lo- observing his really sort of calloused like really banged up foot Mm -hmm. right and then putting his sock back on and then the camera pushes back in to remove atari from the frame again and i was like what a amazing way to communicate the idea that the boy has blisters on his feet Mm -hmm. right um just this real casual little moment in the midst of a of a sequence that's really about something very different right um I just feel like generally Wes Anderson is like can be counted on to deliver that kind of like visual richness or sort of that density of information. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I don't really have anything to add. I thought that was a really cool moment. There were a lot of really cool moments in this movie that I don't remember if he had things like this in Fantastic Mr. Fox. I don't feel like there were, at least not as many. I don't remember them that that much. Yeah. Um but like basically taking advantage of the fact that it's not a live action movie. Yeah. Um like I guess one example off the top of my head is a few times in the movie there's like a character will get injected with something uh-huh. and it'll just like the movie will just kind of make their skin transparent and you can see it like flowing through their, the innards of their body. Yeah. And like, you know, you, I guess you could do that in a live action movie, but it inquire lots like visual effects, which he tends not to use. Right. Um, but that was really cool. And there's like moments where, uh, maybe like the, the background will cut away or change color or turn into some like visualization of something. And, uh, and yeah, I think that was, that was really cool. I can't remember. I was talking to some, I think I was talking to my neighbor who really likes Wes Anderson the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of saying that like, he always, I was saying when he first started out, when he had maybe three movies, I felt like surely this guy can't do this forever. It's almost like after the strokes came out with their first two albums, yeah. I was like, these are good, but if they keep making albums that sound just like that, yeah. it you know they can't go much more than one or two albums. But right. to my surprise, Wes Anderson is still make making movies that feel 
very distinctively like Wes Anderson, and it's the same Wes Anderson that he was when he made Rushmore, you know? Right. Um, but I think that he just manages to, to add something new every time. Yeah. Change, change things up in some way that feels kind of surprising. And so for me, that would probably be it for this movie. There's a lot of just visual things yeah, I that he's like kind of playing with that he wasn't playing with before. Yeah, I felt like it was a very sophisticated movie from a visual and yeah. like frame construction perspective. I thought there was lots of interesting stuff going on all the time. I thought the camera moves, the transition between stop motion stuff and animated stuff. Um, yeah, was just really seamlessly and creatively done. I loved how the TV. The television programming in the movie was animation. Yes. Like 2D animation. Yes. But the, but the like, quote unquote, live stuff in the movie was stop motion animation. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, just I felt like the movie established a language. I thought the visually to that, that made it really sort of accessible and fun and, and, and interesting. Um, uh, I, also really was interested in the way that the various tools that he used to translate Japanese into English. Right. Whether it it sort of varied at various points throughout the film, like the way he was going to do that. And in some cases where there wasn't like a lot to do, or maybe it didn't add, didn't add a lot to the story. Like he just didn't translate it. Right. And I thought that was great. Like, I really enjoyed not being distracted by subtitles, but still being able to figure out what was going on. See, at the beginning, there is a slide, essentially, uh, you know, like a title card, but it's, um, there's a message at the beginning of the movie that says, you know, all the humans speak in their native tongues. Yep. And I guess, uh, I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but so it it maybe just said they speak in their native tongues, right? It didn't mm-hmm. say it didn't say there will be no subtitles, right? I think generally yeah. there were not that many, but yeah, uh, there were some. There though. were some. I yeah. think I think going in, now that I'm saying it, I realize that nothing nothing is inconsistent about what the movie did. But in my head, I was like, okay, they told us that we're not going to be able to understand the people when they're speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, to be fair, that's not what it said. It said that they, it, they were just going to speak in their native tongue. But anyway, there were, it was almost like a little surprising to me that at a few key moments, there were subtitles just yeah. for like specific lines. Uh-huh. And part of me was like, uh, why did they have that? You know? Right. <laughs> um, Cause they found creative ways to sort of, whether it's like a digital translator thing or just like a human translator mm-hmm. broadcasting they found creative ways of translating where it was more necessary yeah so it almost i don't know it, there's something there's something a little surprising and odd to me about the fact that in just a few key moments they just used normal subtitles yeah yeah i mean I, it just felt like they sort of would they used whatever was most appropriate for the story probably yeah yeah um and so yeah just uh I thought it was a very like compared to a movie like Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I don't remember perfectly. It just struck me as a more sophisticated movie visually, which isn't making doesn't make it better than Fantastic Mr. Fox necessarily. It's just it 
there was more to chew on visually, I thought. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, any, any like flaws or not flaws? Any things you didn't like about the movie? No, I really, I mean, I really. That's what sort of just go back to the beginning of the conversation. Like, I really, I, I mean, I say loved it. I don't know if I loved it, but I liked <laughs> it. A, I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't have any complaints. I was. The one thing that I was ready to complain about at one point was when the the non Brian Cranston dogs end up in a basket that goes into like a incinerator. Uh-huh. I was like, "Huh, is that how those dogs are just gonna like die?" Like that felt plausible to me. It felt like something yeah. that Wes Anderson might do. Right, totally. One um, of those moments we were talking about earlier of of shocking, surprising death. And if and I was like, and if that happens, you know, I recognize that it's just me being a fan of dogs, right? <laughs> but or I will maybe, not be happy about. But it. I will just be displeased. But it, that ended up being fine. Well, yeah, I had mixed feelings about it because it definitely was a very surprising moment, and I honestly did think those dogs were dead at mm-hmm. that moment, because because like you said, that would feel like a pretty Wes Anderson thing to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, it made me sad, but I was also like, um. I guess I guess it also made me a little excited at the prospect because you know it's I guess it's it's always a little exciting to me when like from the trailer for a movie you sort of think you know the basic trajectory of the movie and then at some point in the movie something happens where you're like oh uh okay so the trailer only even gave me hints of like the first half or whatever and now right. so for me I was like now it's just going to be the boy and chief for the rest of the movie. That's yep. going to be really interesting. Um, but, you know, it wasn't. I think we're firmly in spoiler territory at this point. You know, yeah. those dogs are not dead. Yeah. And, I mean, to be clear, I liked them and didn't want them to die. Yeah. I, I just thought that, I was like, oh, I guess you could do that. That'd be bold, right? <laughs> but I wouldn't What like a it. daring risk taker. But I, I think, you know, the movie, put it this way, I'd be shocked if Wes Anderson wasn't a dog person himself. Right. Oh, just based on the movie? Yeah, I'd just be shocked if he was like, oh, no, like, I would expect him, if somebody were interviewing him right now, that, and they asked him the question, like, how many dogs do you own? Right, he would he would give a high number. You know I mean, he'd be like, four, right? Or so, like, <laughs> Yeah, but are you saying that a dog person wouldn't kill a dog in the movie? Um... I mean, surely they would have to be willing to do that. It's implicitly what I'm saying, I think. <laughs> I I mean, directors kill people in movies, or writers kill people pe- in movies. I don't think he's a people person. I think he's a dog <laughs> okay, person. Okay, but people person kill people in movies. Sure. Anyway. Uh, okay, I think... I There's a lot we haven't, like, talked about if we were to have made, like, a list of things to talk about in advance, yeah. but we didn't do that. Yeah. Um, but we are getting to... What is it? 40. Oh, 40... We're coming up on 45 minutes. That feels yeah. like a good amount of good time. Point, yeah. um, would you give the movie a star? Uh, I don't think I'd give it a star. Not quite. Yeah. I don't would think you give Grand Budapest a star? Um, not sure I would give that a star. Wes Anderson's best. Still right. not good enough. You know, it's like this is a special movie that like you really, like, you really ought to see. Yeah. I feel like they're special. I mean, it's funny... They're special to me. I mean, especially Grand Budapest more so. Uh, 
But I don't know that I would, if somebody were like, what's a movie I should watch, right? Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, Grand Budapest for sure. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah, I think Wes Anderson is one of those uh, artists who, like, he gets a star. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, None of his individual movies feel like they quite deserve a star on their own yeah but like yeah so like i agree with you i wouldn't if someone were like what's a movie i should watch i wouldn't say uh grand budapest hotel i mean i might depending on what they ask right i'm looking for something that feels like this you know but uh if someone were just like what are some you know what are some movies you recommend for someone who's like really loves movies and Mm -hmm. you know wants to see all kinds of different stuff Definitely like, oh, you should check out some some Wes Anderson films if you haven't already, you know, yeah. would be like up there. It would yeah. be because he's so distinctive. Yeah, you'd give him a list of three or four and you'd be like, just go check them out. Like if you, you might love him, in which case you should watch all of them because there's none of them's really a dud. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and his movies are sort of, you know, they come out relatively infrequently and uh and they're always, they're always like nice little kind of just events. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's a reliable entry in the calendar, right? It's like, yeah, when we go, we're going to go see this when it comes out in this month and it's going to be good. Yeah. Yep. Just like Spoon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, Isle of Dogs, uh, solid, solid hang, uh, not a star. All right. Okay. I'm with you. All right, we did it. Let's see if this thing works.